What simple check should all doctors make on their March payslip and with NHS pensions to try to prevent any errors in their pension record? What are the most common errors that do occur with pension records and how can doctors go about spotting them and correcting them? If you're in the senior years of your career and thinking about dropping PAs to get a more sustainable working pattern, what would be the effect of this on your income? And if you're also thinking about retiring but not sure about how much income you'll have in retirement, what would be the effect of this? On today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Tom Skinner, who is a specialist medical independent financial advisor who is on Medics Money. And with his partner, Emma Walker, they run Barnaby Cecil. And there's a really cute reason why their firm is called Barnaby Cecil. Uh, I love it when I found out about it and we talk about that. But we also cover a tremendous amount of other grounds. So we talk about what checks all doctors need to make on their March payslip and how pension errors happen and how you can avoid them. We go through three specific cases studies of three doctors which Tom has advised and the what help he gave them and how that helped them to make their careers more sustainable and enjoy retirement safe in the knowledge that they had a sustainable and solid plan. So we are focusing more on doctors towards the end of their career in this episode, but hopefully there's something in it for everybody. And if you are at the start of your career, the great news is you've got a tremendous amount of time to plan ahead and get your finances in order. And hopefully then you can uh, have the financial freedom to maybe work less or work at times that you choose. uh, And also the financial freedom and security to know that you've got a strong plan going forward, which I think is something that all doctors could benefit from. The other thing to say is that Tom also produces his own podcast, which if you're into pensions and case studies and retirement planning is an absolute must uh, listen. And I've dropped the link to that in the show notes below. Right. Let's get into today's episode. One thing I do need to say is, as with all Medics Money podcasts, the information here is exactly that, just information and nothing that we say should be relied upon or constitute any form of financial advice. And if you have any issues, then you need to consult a financial advisor or an accountant because this podcast is for entertainment only and definitely does not constitute advice. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's Medics Money podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by my namesake, uh, Tom Skinner from Barnaby Cecil. Morning, Tom. Good morning. Hi. So for those of you uh, that uh, don't know about Tom, do you want to just give yourself a brief intro uh, about what you do and why you're qualified to talk on today's subjects? Sure. Um, I am a, a qualified financial advisor regulated in the, in the UK. Um, I have been advising doctors for 17 years. I'm 38 this year. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a company um, uh, with um, uh, a, a nice number of of, of medical clients, um, we, we typically advise three types of people: doctors within the last five years um, of uh, of their career, um, completely separately. Anybody working in the digital sector, so we have clients Facebook, Google, those sorts of types, and then generally anybody who is coming up to the to, to, to retirement and, and wants a, 
a robust um, withdrawal plan, you know, into the in, in a, and, and their entire retirement wrap, mapped out. So cool. yeah, that's what we, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. And not only do you have an excellent first name, uh, Tom, obviously the best first name anyone can ever have, uh, but your company is called Barnaby Cecil. And uh, I love the reason for this. Do you want to tell everyone why it's called Barnaby Cecil? Yeah, so I had a job uh, like working in the city, long hours, and um, you know when when you sit down and think, well, what do you, what what do I want this company to be, and who would I, who do I want to help, and then equally, what do I want the company to provide for me and my family? Um, the uh, one of the things I wrote down was that I wanted to walk my boys into nursery and, and pick them up from school every day, and their middle names are Barnaby uh, and Cecil uh, Otto. Barnaby and Charlie Cecil. So that's where the name came from. I love that. Uh, I love that. Um, it's such a cute, cute reason. And it's a cool name for the company. I like it. Okay, right. let's get into what we're talking about today, because we're going to get in pretty deep. I mean, as you just said, your sort of specialism is uh, doctors at the uh, twilight of their career, shall we say. Um, so tell us about what we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to talk about is uh, is 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 really just the types of things that uh, doctors think about and that we talk about in those final stages. Uh, one of the things we do is if you're if you're coming to uh, coming to retirement and uh, you're about to access a pension over hopefully many 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 years, then it can be helpful to just to look back at all the things that are going on in that pension when you left med school, when you bought your added years contract, when you got your CA points, all those sorts of things, um, because it's a, it's a quite a, a complex working thing, uh, an NHS pension. And so we'll just check that those numbers are all correct, uh, and they usually are, but occasionally we, we find um, little mistakes along the way. But, but mainly just to give the person peace of mind that the pension that I'm getting paid into my account for the rest of my life is correct, uh, and I'm... And I'm um, yeah, and I'm and I'm being paid what I what I'm owed. Yeah, and you mentioned um, you know little mistakes in the pension. Um, what's the sort of most common mistakes that you find when you're going through that process with someone who's approaching retirement? The the most common one, uh, I wouldn't say there's necessarily one that, that that stands out. I mean, and we come across new things quite often, but the, the, the ones that sort of spring to mind are where the individual has dropped something within their pay. So the pay has gone down and then it's gone back up again. And the the system treats that as a, as a sort of fake pay rise. So if they were on like 130,000 and, and they dropped something or dropped a roll or dropped uh, or lost some CA points, then it would, uh, it would drop down to figure. So let's say it was 130,000, dropped down to 125, and then they took on something and it went up to 135,000. In that example, it, it it would it would consider that the two hundred twenty five thousand up to the new pay of one hundred thirty five thousand was the was was a ten thousand pound increase in pay, which could result in quite a, a large tax charge. But in reality, the scheme, the nineteen ninety five scheme, should choose the best year in the last three, so the middle one should be carried through and offset um, and ameliorate the charge, um, and, and in some cases, completely. What else? Sometimes where they've done something in their career like uh we had one client who just did two years um uh in new zealand and when he came back they just didn't pick up um three years at the royal free um and so just missed missed three years of 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 uh membership within their added years sometimes get get missed off um when the person's 
uh, buying extra days each year. Um, sometimes CEA points get uh, added in at the wrong, so clinical excellence awards get added in at the wrong point. And then sometimes they correct it and, and sort of dump it all in one pay in one year. So the person just thinks, oh, brilliant, my pay's just jumped up. But that then creates a sort of false uh, increase that you end up paying tax on within the pension pen, a pension tax charge for no benefit because it drops out of the pay 36 months later in, in any case. Yeah. And uh, obviously, th- those small mistakes uh, you said uh, can have massive tax and uh, pension implications. I mean, you know, it's great that you pick them up on behalf of your clients. But is there any way that doctors themselves can um, either anticipate these um, errors or check for these errors? You know, if someone's listening to this thinking, oh, I wonder if my CEA points have been uh, counted correctly. What can the doctors do themselves? Yeah, the, the devil is in the detail, and uh, get—I would say—get familiar with a payslip. So, what's happening within the payslip, and um, you can break down on the left-hand side exactly what is pensionable and what isn't. So, you've got the left-hand column with everything running through the pay, and then—and then, if if your eyes follow down, and this is the sort of classic NHS payslip, not, not necessarily some of the new digital ones that are online, but the ones where they have on the left-hand column, yeah, what's made up of the pension pay, uh, a gross or total total pay, and then you have pensionable pay um, uh, in the middle of the pay slip. And through sort of trial and error, you can work out what the sort of acronyms must mean, like NP means non-pensionable, but you can sort of work out what's coming in, what's going out against that pensionable pay and then gross figure to just work out whether something is or should be pensionable. And then every now and then just do a little mini audit so you can get on the phone and, and the, 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 the really valuable payslip is your March payslip because that has everything within that year in it. It's the final month of the year. And from that, you can see what your gross pay was, what your pension pay was, what your consultant pay threshold banding was in that year. Uh, and then if you get an April payslip and the consultant pay threshold has increased, then you know you're on, a, you're on a new increment and you've gone up. And then you can do a little mini audit, take those March payslips, Bring NHS pensions and just say to them, what, what do you have done as my gross pay and what do you have done as my pensionable pay in each of those years? And compare it to your March payslip and just check that the things are all, are all sort of, you know, what, what are you anticipating is happening within your pay? Is the payslip saying the same thing? Same thing? And as, do NHS, patient, NHS pensions have the same data as you're expecting? And then if you spot a little anom- anomaly, and that's the, uh, that's the flag. Yeah, I love that. Um, Doctors are are very familiar with the concept of audit. We audit our clinical practice all the time. But in my experience, not enough doctors audit their own financial affairs anywhere near uh, as well. And um, it's like listening to Ed, um, you know, just saying, keep your March payslip. It's such a vital document. Um, And what you've just said there, you know, um, every doctor can do that themselves. So that's really great information. Just very basic checks that you just outlined uh, can try to help spot these errors and keep you on track so that's great advice for yep yeah and it's just it, and and the anticipation of that would be is where is where you've done something slightly unusual so if you if you've switched trust in a year or you've if you start a new role somewhere then that tends to be when there's a little sort of decoupling and, and that's where the mistakes happen so if you so if you if you sort of come out of med school and you've you know everything about your pay is as you expected then it's, it's less likely that that's the case but yeah something's unusual just keep an eye on everything or or something like um you know your your payroll department was outsourced in that year to a new private company. It'll be that moment that they got outsourced that often there's an issue. So just, yeah, if anything unusual has happened. 
Yeah. And I think doctors' careers more and more are becoming more unusual. People are absolutely now. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, great tip to, you know, check the March pay slip and make sure the figures line up. Uh, okay, so that's something that any doctor can do uh, that's listening to this, but we're going to get into some more uh, specific uh, examples based on um, doctors that you've helped, I believe. So shall we uh, talk about those? Yeah, sure. So obviously, the, you know, getting the numbers right is really important. And, um, you know, if somebody's about to write a check for a tax charge, um, is the figure correct? And we can check that and we can tell them. And we can also give them a comparison, you know, if they do pay through the scheme or if they pay the charge directly, what are the implications? And nothing's ever perfect because obviously if you pay the tax charge directly yourself, it comes out of net savings, but then versus um, having a, a higher tax pension in the future and all those sorts of things. But also, and I think one of the one of the the, the most value we add is often just being able to, to talk to somebody about your plan. So you've you know you've had 35 37 39 years in the NHS and it's a big shift it's a big thing uh, coming out and then and then sort of entering that new world so that can mean uh retire and return it can mean doing something completely different it can mean dropping some PAs in the run up to retirement so i think it c- can be really helpful just to have somebody to sort of sense check it and talk it through and say, well, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And, and I've talked to my peers about it and uh, talked to my family, but I just want to talk to somebody who's had, had, you know, hundreds of conversations like this and sort of sense check it and, and, uh, and work it through. And quite often that conversation ends up going somewhere unexpected and, and, and the plan changes slightly because you've just sort of suggested, well, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? Um, and, um, and yeah, so it's, so it's just, um, it's just working with somebody in that, in that fairly, sort of significant moment i suppose in 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 their in their life um and it is just yeah you know it's the beginning of something new it's not you know it's not necessarily the, the end of everything it's just the start it's the dreamland that. tom it's the dreamland <laughs> retirement you know it's uh, getting further as a 2015 well mostly in 2015 section retirement is getting further and further, further away from me further away. yeah you'll never leave <laughs> you'll, you'll never get out i'll leave in a box i fear but um <laughs> Yeah, uh, at least there'll be some survivor's pension, right? Uh, <laughs> okay, um, right, on that morbid note. Let's, so let's move on to, um, yeah, I think you were going to tell us about a couple of doctors that you'd helped, right? Yeah, so um, uh, the, uh, the, the so, so three in, in mind. Um, one came to us and wanted to renegotiate a new contract. I mean, I mean, obviously this this year is 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 exceptional, I would imagine. But you know, you sit down with people and and they're knackered. You know, they you know life life is tough in the NHS for for, for everyone it seems. Um, and the one individual just wanted to look at um, ten. So, so the standard 10 PA contract that consultants work on, and they just wanted to know what what the next two years dropping two PAs and four PAs looked at within the, within the calculation. And I would imagine getting a getting a a Thursday afternoon off and dropping two PAs or whatever that works like looks like in the week could be quite significant. And and it meant this individual had actually a, had a whole day less in the last two years of their of their working. And interestingly working and they're sort of six months into that but working and 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 they're and you know it's it, it's been it's been great for them they've got a couple of hobbies in on the side that they are looking to then get into also into retirement but interestingly and paradoxically they've ended up saying that they might carry on past 60 and just drop some more 
PA. So we're now looking at them, uh, what the implications of what dropping a couple more POs and whether they, would they supplement that income from elsewhere. So, so if the person's gone from saying, like, you know, how many days left, so just changing how they're working, uh, and it's given them a different a different lease, um, uh, and, and given them a rest and given their mind something else to think about. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, um, we played around with the individual. So he, 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 this individual came to us and he, um, you know, consultants are, are, are well paid, but everything's relative. So if you've had a decade on, let's say 10,000 pounds gross, um, a month, then dropping down to three and a half thousand pounds takes a little bit of time to get used to. It's a, it's a, it's a gear shift and you have to sort of adjust accordingly, but like like most people had some savings but the key thing for him is that he had a, a daughter and he wanted to help the his daughter with a deposit on a property but we sort of worked out went through the sort of spending and it, and 1500 uh, a month extra in his pay it was basically everything he needed to to have to have a really nice really nice retirement and we worked out that based on the savings that he got and using um, some of his tax free cash that that would last twenty four years, and on and at the same time, he could still give his daughter seventy five thousand. I think was the figure to um to buy a property. So it just meant that he wasn't sort of thinking, How, can I really spare this money? Is it spare? Um um, and and can I and can I can I can I do all the things that I'd like to do with my time now that uh, I've done my forty years? Um, so that was um yeah that was that was great um. And then the other one recently was just nice because it was the, it was the, referring to that uh, um, one of those one of those areas that we picked up. It was the best year in last three had uh, not been picked up. Which incidentally, if anyone's sort of worrying about that, it, 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 the as of um, April last year, NHS pensions are now have now sort of built something into the system. So they're saying it shouldn't happen in the future, but they're saying that the historical ones could still exist. Um, but we'd managed to get about twenty five thousand in um, in tax paid um to the so just a nice a nice uh, a nice win um to, to fix that yeah that sounds great i mean um let's go in reverse order then so this, tell me about this best in last three where you've got uh, a twenty five thousand pound tax rebate for one of your doctors uh, can we get into more specifics on that yeah so we talked about it a, a few minutes ago whereby the the pension pay moves so the person um the the scheme uses the best year in last three, but it won't carry forward a, a higher year if, if if there's a lower year that's that dropped. So just quickly, 130,000 drops down to 125,000, then goes up to 135,000, for example. It uses 125 to 135 as the sort of base year, as if that's the, as, as if that's a pay rise, whereas the 130 should be carried through um, and should be used as the, as the as the as the pension pay in the year that has 125. Um, so although there was um, uh, a large pension input amount, it was offset by some carry forward. Um, but otherwise, there would have been yeah, a big excess. Yeah. And for those of us who aren't aware of, of what the carry forward is, do you want to briefly outline that? Because it's quite an important concept and it's saved, you've saved one of your clients 25 grand. And I, I know that there'll be people listening to this podcast who may be in a similar situation. Um, so yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we so so historically and typically we we would help people in in the last few years 
uh, of their working life. But we began to get people who were much, much younger contacting us sort of beginning two or three years ago because the 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 everybody has an allowance that they can pay into a pension each year. And for, and for my pension, it's really simple. It's just if you've just put a total amount of 40,000 in, then that's what you've paid into your pension. And it used to be 255,000 so 10 years ago, and it's come down, it's come down. Um, and with, with a final salary pension, it's, it's ridiculously complex because you have to take the pension at the start of the year and then the pension at the end of the year that the person w- w- theoretically will receive at retirement. So it's not what they're being paid now, it's what they'll theoretically be paid at retirement. And you look at the increase between the, the two year on year, and then there's a calculation to work out what that growth is between start of the year and then the end of the year. And then that figure, the, the deemed growth, is then, it's then treated as income, if it's income. So if that figure is more than 40000 then the figure above that has to be paid uh, as income tax. It's a complete nonsense, really. Um, but if you have a spare, um, then you can count back uh, the year you're in and the previous three. Um, and that's carry forward allowance. So somebody similar age to me, uh, late thirties, might have um, a, a pay rise through through um, or through through anything, uh, and might have a, sp- a spike of say have a pension input amount of say seventy thousand, which would be thirty thousand over allowance. But if they had some spare in the previous three years, they can use that to offset that. So that's normally what happens with with uh, younger younger individuals. The um, they previously the the issue and what hit the headlines was that you could um if you if you had uh income above one hundred and ten thousand then a whole other set of calculations were set off and then you could end up with a pension allowance of ten thousand so this is where people were coming in to work on a Saturday let's say doing a waiting list initiative and it was triggering uh, a large tax bill at the end of that year which was a you know a complete nightmare because you had no idea or feel for where you were during the year as to whether you could take extra work on thankfully that threshold has been increased to 200,000 now so anybody who's getting offered work as, as long as your total pay is below 200,000 you should retain the full 40,000 allowance uh, and are less likely then to have an issue moving forward so that's been that's been a huge thing yeah, so that's the, the the shift of the threshold income, which was one hundred ten thousand, but has now moved to two hundred thousand, as you just said. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and I think you talked a bit about how you know your pension is simple because I assume you're in a defined contribution scheme, right? Yeah. yeah but in defined benefit scheme, it's hideously complex and not not really fair. But uh, that's probably a topic for another day. So that was a great explanation of best in three and carry forward, um, which is a really important thing to check. Uh, because yeah, you saved your client 25 grand, I imagine they were pretty happy. Um, now, the other really interesting uh, case study that we, you talked about um, is the first one where essentially somebody was gone, gone into a more sustainable work pattern, shall we say, yeah. by dropping some PAs. And that's actually, um, you know, led to them prolonging their careers, which I think this is something which we are hearing a lot of medics money, you know, people have been smashing out 10 or 12 PAs for their whole career. And then for whatever reason, maybe it was a pensions tax charge or just general reset, they drop down a few PAs. And suddenly they're feeling better, more sustainable. And yeah, who would have thought working 120 hours a week, you know, you feel better when you're only doing part-time hours, like NHS part-time. I'm part-time in the NHS, so I only do about 60 hours of uh, NHS work a week. <laughs> yeah. So like, how, how part-time is that? Hey, um, but 
what did you do for that that individual specifically to allow them to calculate you know you said that you calculated their what what they could do basically so pretty complex pension calculations there i would imagine yeah so so the 1995 scheme um the the value in that scheme is in the years that you you accumulate and therefore um if you're on a high pay and you've got 37 years in the scheme surprisingly so if you drop from 10 pas to 8 pas then um the the salary that you are you are using they use a thing called whole time equivalent so so the base figure for your salary is the same figure so if you're on 100 120,000 then and you're only doing uh, an 8pa and your pay then drops down to let's say 102,000 then they still use the 120,000 as the base figure you just pick up less um you just pick up less days each year in the calculation but um, it it always surprises individuals by how little it affects their their pension. Doing um, yeah, just having one or two years less on 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 less on less PAs, it would have a more dramatic impact if it was ten years. Um, and 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 being on less PAs might mean that you were less likely to get sort of CA points and those sorts of things, possibly. Um, but I would encourage anybody with a couple of years left to have a look at. Um, what dropping those PAs does does look like, particularly if you can supplement the income or just do something different just to give your mind a bit of a break um, from from healthcare. Um, and, the, and, and the calculation really is just um, in terms of in terms of what happens in a spreadsheet is is just you accrue less days. So it'd be 80% of 365 days is what uh, is what gets added at the end of that year. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, case studies like that really show uh, the benefit of advice because that doctor is at the peak of their powers. You know, we do not want them leaving the NHS. Too many of them have Hugely. left the NHS. And the, the more experience I get, I'm still, I've only been a doctor 12 years, but the more experience I get, the more I realize the benefit of experience. And these old timers, shall we uh, respectfully call them, they have tremendous experience. And I think we've lost so many of them from the workforce because they've just become burned out or got a horrendous tax charge. So, you know, if we can keep them in the workforce a bit longer, happy and a sustainable work pattern, I mean, that is amazing. You know, that is amazing for their patients, amazing for the NHS and hopefully amazing for them. And I think that's really interesting what you just said, that they're often surprised by dropping down in those last couple of years doesn't make a significant uh, impact in their in their pension is that a fair sort of summary yeah and and interestingly i mean obviously you get some people who i mean yeah i mean doctors are, are bright people with inquisitive minds so quite often they've got a, they've got something that they want to sort of they've always wanted to do but a lot of the case they just they just the the role isn't fit for purpose in a sense in that you can't expect somebody to do the see the sim to, to provide this a similar level of output that they could at 45, but you know, numerous researchers say that, that somebody at 65 can do many things better than a 45-year-old person can do, but they can't do the same things. And, and the whole construct of the NHS is that everyone is treat, treated equally, and that's important, but it doesn't take into fact that there's a, there's a biological aspect of that in that people's skill abilities change, improve in some areas and decline in others. Um, and it's unfortunate just as a as a... As a a lay person as an outsider looking in as I do, you know, just listening to all these people who are talking about their experiences. All of those conversations uh, often um, are 
are based around the fact that the person just can't carry on working at that level. It's, it's this disruptive sleep pattern, I think, that that causes such an issue. Um, and um, and there's a desire for the individual to carry on, but there isn't a role or a structure within the NHS and, and probably within the, within the public sector to to um, address that fact. And that and I think that's an enormous shame. And if you think some of you know some of your peers, your older colleagues, and what you've learned from them during your career, that just walks out the door um, at 16. I think that's a real shame. Yeah, it's a disaster for these uh, experienced people to leave because, um, you know, they bring so much. And it's an interesting point, like uh, the NHS doesn't really facilitate a way for them to still use their skills uh, that they have, but adapt, um, you know, the demands of, of working as a doctor um, when you're 67 or whatever are a lot different to when you're 25. Um, okay, that's cool. And then the middle one was a kind of interesting one because it sounds like um, you must have done a bit of cash flow modeling and pension forecasting there because essentially this was a consultant who wanted to drop the income and had a number in mind or you gave them the number but also wanted to um, help their uh, daughter out as well. Tell us a bit more about that one. Yeah, so we've got uh, a service called WealthMap and uh, what WealthMap does is it... Um, projects at any point in someone's life what their future financial um, roadmap looks like and then they have the ability to then change that so he had something fairly specific in mind but the first thing we do is so if we were to take you we'd sort of map out and if you had a mortgage we'd, we'd map everything out that we expected your life to look like financially using our sort of experience and the number of times we've done it and then stand back with you so we call that forecast and then we'd stand back and say, well, what aspects of this do you want to change? You know, because, for example, you, you know, you, you, if your 2015 scheme, you're pegged to the state pension age, so that would be 68. So then at the customised stage, we start to play around. And for him, it was, well, if I take 75,000 out, out of my assets and give it away, what does, my, what does that drawdown uh, path, that income glide path look like? Is it affordable? Can I, can I do that? Um, and he could. And then the final stage is what we call optimise, which is where we just look through can we make it more efficient, cost less, more save tax, all those sorts of things? And we can do that at any stage of anyone's career. Um, and uh, yeah, it, and it's the forecast for everybody looks the same because you know the 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 the, the data that we input um, is all formulaic. But the customized bit's really fun because no two customized plans look the same because everyone just swings and changes everything and pulls things left and right. Um, so yeah, that's what we do with him. Yeah. And I think that's something maybe a lot of doctors uh, have never really thought about that kind of cash flow modeling and forecasting. But, uh, you know, within reason, you can predict what things are going to go forward. You know, you know what your income is, you know what your expenditure is. And yeah. so you can give that uh, individual the certainty they need to make these massive life changing decisions. Um, and uh, I think we definitely need to do a, a podcast on the innovative things that you're doing with WealthMap because I had a look at that and I love it. And you've also got the app as well, which is really cool. Yeah, so we've um, yeah we've built uh, with with, uh, with help we've built uh, an app that um, does some amazing things. Yeah, you can. Uh, so my my favorite feature is it gets a live feed from Zoopla as well. So I get every every four weeks I get an update um, uh, of uh, of of my property value. So you just see that going up and down slightly. Um, but it pulls in data from your mortgage provider, from your pension. You can hold all your insurance documents all in one place, all securely. I get a uh, uh, feed through from my bank, um, and uh, I can see exactly how much I spent each month and break it all down. So 
just saves time really you don't have to log on to sort of four or five different places you can have it all as an app on your phone you can log in through a desktop um and um it's something yeah that um uh you know we we hope we can develop further over time as well yeah i, I love the concept it's uh, like a one big financial dashboard basically and um yeah. Me and Ed are dinosaurs, so we still, well, Ed's an accountant, so of course he uses a spreadsheet. Um, I also use a spreadsheet, and it pulls in all of those things, um, but it doesn't update in real time, and you know, I have to audit it myself and go through it with my financial advisor, which is fine, a spreadsheet works, but um, I really like the look of that wealth map thing, because it, it, it pulls everything in in real time, and uh, I think it's got a great potential, so that's, that's really cool. Um, okay, so uh, we've covered a lot of ground today, and hopefully um, it's been useful to everybody, because we've kind of covered the basic checks that everybody needs to do on their pension and also some more complicated things. I mean, um, I've written down a few key points for myself here, um, but what what would your key message to be to, firstly, um, doctors in their early career, and then mid-career, and then late career? So some key points for early career doctors. Um, <clears throat> early career, I would say, to some extent, in, enjoy yourself a bit. I think, you know, you've work your socks off to get you know where you are you know med school university you know it's 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 uh it's a fair old slog getting there so just enjoy it to begin with and then try and get yourself in a position if possible where you can have no debt as you enter your 30s so don't worry if you've got debt you know obviously student debt is separate but sort of any personal debt you can get that down by your 30s and and that's fantastic and then perhaps then start to think about um yeah if you're able to um yeah saving elsewhere um and any amount is better some brilliant apps out there so um um moneybox is a is a fantastic app for just pinching um i'm not great at standing order saving but i'm really good at sort of sort of spending money in, in that sense on sort of things that i don't necessarily need like a coffee and stuff and what this app does is it rounds everything up so if you said to me, can you save £200 a month? I'd sort of, for some reason, I'd struggle. But this pinches £200 off me each month that I don't notice. I don't know how it works, but it's just really effective. Um, so it just, it just it's, a, it's technology meeting my savings habits. So just have a look at um, those sorts of things. Um, and if you can, um, yeah, a, any amount of, uh, of money that you can, can save away yeah, is always, is always a, a great thing. Um, have a look at uh, yeah your 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 finances and, and and consider you know what could go wrong any any good financial planner will or say think about income protection and life cover and cultural allowance cover and just and just think through you know what what's the sort of the, the basic minimum that you that you that you'd need and uh, and would want to sort of cover for um, and then as you as you get a uh, a little bit older, just start to think about whether you do want to work to sixty eight. Get a feel for what that NHS pension will look like, and if you've got twenty years and it's and it's either either pays too late or doesn't pay quite enough. And actually, I think it's more likely that the the, the two thousand fifteen scheme is is a good scheme. The only and it and it probably pays more income than any of the schemes the NHS pensions have ever um, designed. You've just got to work longer to get it, and that's the problem. So, um, um, so, so if that's a problem, then just look at sort of uh, mitigating that by having a sort of a plan to reduce that. Um, and there are things you can do. You can you can actually buy. Um, you can reduce your retirement date. Um, you can re- reduce it down to uh, an earlier date. You can buy something over time. Um, or or Nervo, right? It. You're talking uh, about so, yeah, uh, yeah, Nervo. Yeah, well done. Um, uh, and um, 
uh, and yeah, and just make a plan around that if that's on a problem. But the, but the first place to start is to try and get a feel for what that income would be in real terms today. Um, and maybe that's that's enough and, you, and you've got more money to spend on stuff you like doing here and now. Yeah. And I guess the whole thing that we're sort of saying is get a plan, because if you're 40 and you realize you're not going to be working to state retirement age, you've got a long time to get your ducks in order, make some alternative arrangements. But if you get to 65 and your retirement age is 68 and you haven't made no plans whatsoever, you're probably going to be in a bit of a tight spot there. eh? Yeah. I mean, what saves many doctors and probably saves the public as well is that you know you want to get doctors into into a into a hospital into a practice and you want them thinking about making people better and, and what's always what they've always been able to fall back on is is a fantastic pension scheme which has got much more complex because of sort of continual tinkering with the tax system in relation to it but it's still a, it's still a fantastic pension so there's less to think about if you're a doctor but there's still and that can be good and bad it's because there's less to think about that means that some people don't think about it and and leave and 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 um and and then as you say think about it uh later than they normally would um uh and yeah so so just to, yeah just have a just sketch a sketch a plan out or talk to a planner um uh and, and get them to put it through you know one of their one of their pieces of software um but even just yeah a rudimentary breakdown of yeah with you with um you know you and your your loved ones as to what uh, what you hope the future would look like and then match it and compare that to what it's likely to look like based on the based on the figures yeah and the, and the other thing i would say is that there's a lot of stuff in our head my colleague emma walker as well um is uh, is, is is brilliant and uh, yeah ex- extremely qualified and versed in nhs pensions and sometimes you know there's a, there's a lot of nhs pensions are brilliant on the phone but they're obviously catering to tens of thousands of of members and it, you know we, we we've got time to talk to anybody it doesn't cost us anything to, to to speak to somebody so it might just take us 15 minutes to explain something and we're always available to to anybody at any stage in their career if you just want to have a quick like like what is my pension and what does it do and all those sorts of stuff um that's no trouble for us to explain that uh to to you over the phone to pick up the phone and talk to us not, yeah, not and hopefully by doing things like this and your podcast which we'll drop a link to in the show notes below because your podcast is amazing but hopefully by doing things like this we can um, uh, educate doctors on the issues that they need to think about and, and raise awareness so that's really good um so um you i think i know the answer to this question already but i always ask um, you know lots of people um, have got really fed up with the pension tax issues. They don't take advice and they just reflex opt out of the NHS pension and may, because they think something else is better. So uh, you've got a private pension. Um, would you like to swap your private pension for my NHS pension? And if so, why? What a fantastic question. Um, so my, my, my pension is like landing a rocket on a moon, um, flying through space with any number of variables in a world where I'm constantly told, be worried about this, be stressed about that, the market's up, the market's down, the market's gone sideways, what will the future hold? Um, it, it, it is, even if you're a hardened uh, professional investor and professional and you know to try and tune the noise out, of course it was gut-wrenching to look at my pension in February when the market dropped 40%. You can't help but worry about these things. Mm-hmm. If you have an NHS pension, you have a, a tracer bullet for your future that you can follow and predict and there are things. And in retirement, you can sit under your coconut tree and read your book and uh, sip your cocktail and never have to worry about whether you're going to run out of money, 
how much money you're going to get, you can have that money paid into a bank account, inflation-proofed anywhere in the world. So it is a completely stress-free retirement. It's not perfect. Um, but if you think about the, what we do with WealthMap and the fact that when we then calculate somebody's retirement, we have to run 1,200 uh, simulations of their plan to give them a probabilistic output as to whether or not we think the plan will work. And we sort of plumb around about 80 to 80 five percent as a level of probability that we're happy with you're in a whole other dimension than when you're with somebody who just says boom i get paid x into my account in you know in a, in a range of currencies anywhere in the world yeah perfect yeah so probably you would uh, like an nhs pension by the sounds of things I'd, I'd like both if i can if i could have if i could um have uh, a basic level of uh, of income guaranteed and then some some money to be more creative with and do more things with so i think i think uh, yeah doctors are in, are in a brilliant position particularly if they're if they're uh, if they're young enough to, and, and and fortunate enough to be able to pop a little bit of money aside into an isa and save that alongside and if you yeah if you can get you know build up a pension and have let's say i don't know Four thousand a month net coming in from your NHS pension, and then another two thousand a month um, tax-free because you've got an ISA saved up alongside that. Those are not, you know, those are not unrealistic things uh, as a retirement for somebody to be to be looking at, and maybe sort of slow down a little bit in your in your sixties. The nice thing about the two thousand and fifteen scheme is it is it is uh, it is more flexible. You can kind of do more stuff with it. Um, you can take you can actually take a pension um, earlier. Um, and access it and continue to pay into it. So there's more, yeah, there's more options. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Tom. Uh, it was super interesting to discuss uh, all of that with you. Um, and we sort of covered some basic stuff, but some more detailed stuff. Uh, I mentioned your podcast and I'll drop the link to that um, below because you've done some amazing episodes there. And I know you've got some really cool ones coming up and we'll drop your contact details in um, the uh, show notes as well. But uh, thanks so much for your time. Always good catching up with you and uh, hope you and Emma and um, all the family stay well and um, see you next time on the Medics Money podcast. Thanks, Tommy. And thanks to, to you guys as well. And um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. You know, nothing, nothing like this has existed for doctors before. Um, so it's amazing what you're doing and, and, and I'm sure it's well received. It, it, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing and, uh, and thanks for having me on. No, it's a pleasure. And um, in, in all seriousness, we couldn't do what we're doing without you, people like you, uh, but also without our colleagues who are really supporting us and growing us by listening and telling their friends about this podcast. So thanks to everybody. We're, we're all in this together. And uh, if we all work together, hopefully we can pull through. All right. Uh, have a good day, Tom. Take care. Cheers. Bye.